0: Betcha's Media presents... I would like to speak to America's men for one minute.
1: That slacker barista. I start getting full of emotion. Now we're going to build this new bridge here.
0: Can I provide a definition? Mm No, I can't. Betcha's Up Podcast. (laughs) Like, how are people surviving? Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Millie Tamaris. And this is the Better of Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Today, we are here with someone who knows a little something about the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. They are probably how you know a lot, of, uh, a lot of the stuff about these topics. Today, we are here with V. Spear. You definitely know them from their massive TikTok page, Under the Desk News, and most recently, the V. Interesting podcast with V. Spear. Thank you so much for joining us. This is such an exciting day for us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Amanda and Millie. It's great to be here.
0: I feel very uh, privileged to get to listen to you for longer than one minute, even though now everybody has that privilege with your podcast.
1: Yes, the podcast has been great for kind of just giving us a little bit more space to expand on conversation, cover more topics in depth, and, and hopefully make people you know feel smarter when they're showing up in their everyday life. Yes. This stuff is hard. It's hard, yeah. and it's boring, and it's scary, and like, let me do that for you.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's such a breath of fresh air because all of our listeners are inherently dumber after they listen. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> after they listen to us talk about period underwear, sometimes it's it all happens.
1: important. It's all important.
0: I am so curious. Before we sort of get into the nitty gritty of kind of what you do in the news cycle, what what path led you to having two point seven TikTok followers that you share the news with and having this podcast? It felt like it happened very fast for you but certainly not for for lack of effort but how what path led you to where you 2, are right now
2: 2.7 so million
1: Yes. Yes. So I get this question a lot. Like, how did you do this? Like, were you in the news before? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I was a caterer before. Like, why am I so good at politics? I was a caterer in Washington, D.C. for years and years mm. and years. And you're in all these like back rooms and catering spaces and in people's homes. And they talk so freely and openly that it just became like very interesting to me. And then I was like, oh, I should probably tell other people like what these folks are saying um, yeah. and and what maybe, you know, is behind some of the The silliness that they put out there too
2: that's so funny that they speak so openly and freely like as if you're not a human being that's gonna like intake (laughs) their stuff that literally um was a thread on the other two where like she keeps like breaking her nda about sleeping with a basketball player because she mentions it in front of lyft drivers i'm gonna tell you
1: I'm gonna like I don't know if I would ever write a book someday, but if I did I'd call it the dish and it would be about Mm. being backstage at the twenty twelve RNC with Mitt Romney who turns to me directly and goes like, Are you gonna vote for me? And I was like Yeah, I guess so. And he's like, because you have to. And I was like, I don't I'm like standing there with like a tray of crab cakes. Like, what am I going to say to this man? And out of my mouth comes, well, you did sign, you know, gay marriage legislation in Massachusetts. So so that's good. Right. And then he goes literally right on stage and says he's not going to support marriage equality. And he came back and I was like, no crab cakes for you. No way you're off the list. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, I feel like, I mean, it must have been interesting when you sort of like went to like the White House for the inflation reduction act to be like, I remember when you said this in 2009. I remember yes. when you said this. Yeah, that's so interesting. You just had this sort of like, yeah, this hidden intel. So you are so prolific. Um, and as Millie said, you know, you're really good at approaching this from kind of a, a really productive way. And I think that's what your audience really appreciates. But I'm curious, can you kind of take us through a day in your life on a moderately busy news day? So let's say we have no We're not having a Dobbs day. We're not having a -a Mm -hmm. Mar-a-Lago raid day. But we're having a steady grip of international chaos and domestic absurdity. There's definitely a Trump headline in there Mm -hmm. somewhere. Mm -hmm. Tell me, V wakes up. What's the first thing you do?
1: So the first thing I do is I, I set my intention for the day to be like, I'm only going to say things that are required. I'm not going to allow myself to kind of get sidetracked into stuff I want to rant about because I'll call up my girlfriends and do that with them. But when I'm looking for news, I'm typically looking for things that are going to make people feel included. It's going to be stuff that's like mandatory understanding. And then maybe trying to find that little learning nugget that makes them look just a little bit smarter than everybody else who's kind of like reading off the top headline and mm-hmm. um, so I'm typically, these days, I'll wake up and I'll look at like what's on the SCOTUS docket because people are extremely interested in that. And one thing I love about political TikTok and just sort of like the time we're in now is why it, it can feel really like chaotic and like everything is so political, but people are so educated on it. And the media literacy that folks have, I would say is at the highest it's ever been. and. Wow. I even think people know when it's misinformation, but they like that misinformation. So they know how to present it in a way that's going to be, you know, a certain kind of way. But I'm looking at SCOTUS and I'm seeing what they've got coming up for that day. I'm following up later in that day to see like what they actually decided, what came out, what may have been said. Um, The other places folks like to hear things about are how does this relate to the rest of the world? Because we get so insular in American Mm. politics where we're just looking at like what exactly happened today and what was the craziest worst thing that someone said. And I think when we look back and you know, the argument right now is we're going into a recession and China and Russia are buying up all the gold and the dollar is going to be bankrupted. And I'm like, okay, first of all, the dollar is like slaying against the euro right Mm -hmm. now. So like, let's give snaps for that. And people like to feel like they're winning. They like to feel like they have that special information that's going to either shut down unproductive conversations Mm -hmm. in their real life with maybe family members who don't agree with them politically, or I never felt smart growing up. I always felt like I went to school for theater. I was like very into food and beverage. I was very performancy, but I never felt like included in smart spaces. I have dyslexia. It was like a whole thing. And so I just want people to feel smart. And so that's what I'm looking for when I'm looking for headlines isn't necessarily something that's going to give them the fuel to like win that day, win some fights so much as to be more interesting than the other person. And so they could like
2: skedaddle,
1: scram out of that conversation if they need to.
2: That's so funny about your process, like how you specifically filter things that are going to include people and things that you don't want to rant about, because you can ask Amanda. I just text her like people were bitching about this on Twitter, <laughs> and I'm ready to go on the podcast and say why Elves in Lord of the Rings should be black. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And you know what? There's room and space for everyone in this atmosphere, but what a fresh perspective.
1: And I think it's important that there are folks who are into that stuff. So I also know the space that I occupy and I only expect to take about 90 seconds of your day total every day. Like 90 seconds would be great. That's like a video and a half a day. But I know like Kiki Monique from the talk of shame, right? A lot of my audience loves to listen to Kiki because she talks all about what's going on at BravoCon. I don't Know what's going on at BravoCon, but there are political implications to like what's happening over there. And so when we create this community of creators and you mm-hmm. kind of know that you're for you page or that the podcast you're subscribing to, you listen to you guys, you pop over to me, you listen to me for a little bit, you pop over to the Real Housewives podcast, like whatever else is you're interested in, maybe some of the parenting ones, whatever, that is going to be the collective that creates the conversation that we're all a part of. I don't want to be like your only person. I think the the cable mm-hmm. news um Tried this and it doesn't work, right? Just tune into us. We'll tell you everything. I'm like, I don't know everything. You got to go tune into the betches. Like, they're going to have more on this. You got to go tune into Kiki or whoever else. Right, right. Yeah, it's a friendship.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Why do you think that TikTok has become a productive place for sharing news and learning about news and learning about politics in a way that Twitter or Instagram haven't really? What do you think about the platform lends itself to that?
1: So you get immediate feedback and you are responsible to your audience in a way that you're not you with like Twitter. That? No. I love it. <laughs> okay. For me, that works. For me, this has worked, right? So I tell this story about how citizen journalism is so important. And like my mom was the original citizen journalist to me because it was just like her and her girlfriend sitting around listening to the police scanner and like <sighs> then driving around and like looking for crime and like trying to, su- you know, they wow. were like the original yeah. true crime girlies. <laughs> and then my dad would come home and my mother would be like, listen, this was going on at Vince's house today, this was going on at Cindy's house today. Did you see that the, the head of Pop Warner was just arrested for embezzling the cheerleading fundraiser dollars from the hot dog stand? Like my mother would give him the run down. And I think a lot of that inspired me to the way that I get excited about the things that are going on in my community and I want to share them. And I think TikTok shares that excitement because it's peer learning. Mm-hmm. It's not one authority figure telling you. It's like, yo, I just saw this crazy thing. Did you see it? And then someone else is like, I saw it and I saw this. It's mm-hmm. fun.
0: Yeah, it feels like more of a conversation, whereas yeah. I feel like a lot of the others... Obviously, if you're a creator with a big platform, you have a responsibility to get things sure. right. But it feels like on TikTok, it is allowed to be more of a conversation. You can... You know, somebody leaves a comment that is constructive criticism or reveals another layer, and you can pin that, and you can reply to it, and you can yeah, immediately yeah. add another video. And sort of, it feels like your approach just feels... The the political discourse over the past few years has felt very gotcha and very, um, you know, like you said, like who can... Just, just avoiding landmines and not about asking the wrong questions. And I feel like TikTok, like you said, it's sort of it's just much more conversational. It's okay to sort of like ask the questions, to iterate, to learn, and to change your perspective.
1: Everybody's so embarrassed. Every single person in the whole world is embarrassed. Literally, all the time. So embarrassing all the time. (laughs) Everyone is so embarrassed all the time and awkward all the time. And I find a lot of people really want to say or do the right thing, and then you overcompensate and you still get it wrong, and then you're just like terribly embarrassed. Or TikTok allows you, I I think, because it hasn't been sort of like co-opted by celebrities or by produced content. It just, that stuff doesn't fly on TikTok. Doesn't. So it's, you know, folks in their living room while they're making dinner talking about what they care about. It's very relaxed. You can put your guard down. You can make mistakes. If you make a mistake, you will be held accountable with the pin of shame. You're absolutely right. But I just love, I love the way it works. And I, that's what I love about the podcast too, is it's that same thing where like when I'm listening to you guys and Millie jumps in with like something that you're saying, I'm like, ah, Millie, that was like in my head, girl. Like, that's what Mm -hmm. I was thinking, you know? So you feel like you're having the conversation even though you're not. I think podcasts and TikTok are where it's at, man.
2: Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's where it. we're on, so that's what we <laughs> yeah. that's where it's
1: at. So congratulations to <laughs> yeah. the audience, you're in the right spot. Yes.
0: <sighs> I mean, it's it's interesting cuz we'll sort of try, you know, more produced things on TikTok and you're right, they don't work. That's not what nope. the audience is there for. Like something's going to do way better if it's like I just rant when I first like kind of yeah, wake up in the morning. And I think another thing, like you said that when you grew up, you you felt like you weren't smart. I definitely mm-hmm. felt that too. Millie, I think We've talked about you felt that way too. It's always mm-hmm. felt like information, especially. I think you've said that. You've said no, that yeah, on yeah, the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but I think there's sort of like this like intellect around politics and news has been gatekept by primarily oh, white straight men. And it's mm-hmm. always just felt like certainly there are more complicated factors that I just don't know about. And I think TikTok has really been good about being like, mostly, no, mostly it's Ronald Reagan.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's Every all time. Ronald Reagan. Everything was <laughs> Every like, time. When you were speaking about your mother and like the, tr- you know, the going around like the citizens uh, journalism, it just really reminds me of like my parents, like my family businesses, beauty salons, and everyone's having those conversations. And even my brother, he does hair now. And he's just like, so what about the primaries? So this and that and talking to all his customers and hearing like, all these perspectives, mostly of women. And it's so true that TikTok now, I mean, what you're doing on TikTok, but also like, in general, as a platform, as we're talking about it is really like, I think that a lot of the political conversations and discourses have been gatekept, like you were saying, even by like jargon or like oh, yeah, using yeah. complicated language to make people feel like they're not smart. It, it is a it is a thing. But when you get to the bottom of it or on TikTok or exposing, it, it's just like everyone's having these conversations. Everyone's capable of understanding it. Um, but systematically, people benefit from making it seem more complicated than it is.
1: They absolutely so, do. You're and doing used, amazing
2: work, V. We're thank proud you. Of you. <laughs> and
1: I used to, because of the dyslexia and just like yeah. learning is embarrassing. Everything's embarrassing in your whole yeah. life, right? Like, still so like <laughs> you don't stopped. know something. Nobody wants to say that. They're so <laughs> embarrassed. But people, you know, I they'd be like, oh, did you read that? Or did you like read that in a magazine? And I'm like, I read a book <laughs> about it. Like, no, yeah. I no, you were know, born. I never with read a knowledge. book about it. I read an article in Teen Vogue or something like that. But um, I, I think, like you said, the, the big words, the jargon, and the other thing that I felt like I was taught—I was always very into government and history and into politics. And I got into like the little AP history class in high school, and I was so proud of myself because I did have like a little bit of a hard time with like wanting to focus that much on school or keep like wanting to keep up in that particular circle. Yeah. And what I found was. I was very good at debate because I was nice. And people didn't expect that. And I think that st- still happens even now. We're taught you're intelligent, you're standoffish, you're the keeper of the correct information. If you're a man, right, there's some sort of like honor to it. Yeah. And if you're a woman, uh, you're a bitch because you know more and you have to kind of like give this attitude of like, yeah. well, I know and let me like clap back or do whatever. And I, I'm just such a coward and so afraid of everyone. <laughs> and so I'm just nice to everybody. And I think that that kind of works, but it yeah. disarms people. It surprises them. And I think there's so much more space for that. Like like you were saying with like the barbershop conversation, um, another TikToker that I love, AB Burns at I am legally hype. She does what she calls like hood politics and yeah. stoop talk, which is like what's going on in the black community as it relates to what's coming up on the voting uh, you know, legislation. And I just... I love that everyone gets to like use their own language, be their own rainbow, create that community. And we're learning from each other in a way that when you're held that accountable to your neighbor, you, you can't afford to be a jerk the way that you can if yeah. you're on like a big network, right? With like big advertisers pushing some kind of agenda. Mm-hmm. It's like if I say something that doesn't fly with AB, she's going to call me and be like, girl, that was whack. That was nuts. Why did you exactly. say that? Exactly. You know? So I, and, and then you learn. But Mm -hmm. I think it is that grace and that community that people have been missing for so long and that feeling of inclusion Mm. um, that isn't coming from that book club-like hard space. There seems
0: to be on TikTok. I mean, you mentioned I Am Legally Hype and just something I've noticed a lot, and I'm sure Millie has too, is that some creators, especially creators of color, I'll do drive-bys on and I'm expecting them to have millions of followers by then. And Mm -hmm. they don't. The platform is really – seems to have a hard time rewarding those those creators. And what I preach about you and a lot of people in the community is that you are very good at being like, this is a topic that sh- they're the expert on yeah. Like Don't forget to, to look at that and that sort of like you know plays into the, the conversational element of it that I love so much.
1: Do you know what I think it is when we have these creators who are so prolific, they do such a great job, but they, we only see them make like one video a week, through two or three a week. I make three videos a day. Yeah. Now I had to work up to it and I had a job where I could kind of like quiet quit as I was mm-hmm. building under the desk. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks who are some of the <laughs> best educators are working yeah. a real deal clock in job. And so they don't have to be a creator on TikTok. It is so expensive. It is so hard. Yeah. You really don't get paid. You have to do it for the love of like, I'm addicted and obsessed and this is my community and I want to be here. And I think those barriers to entry are certainly things that we need to see fixed. And You see competitors trying to fix with like YouTube's now offering a lot of money to shorts creators. Folks like that are trying to monetize Instagram better. Yeah.
2: Yeah. How has your approach to your content changed as your profile has grown based on audience feedback or your own decision to pivot? Do you approach things differently now than you did when you started?
1: I really don't because I'm still under my desk in my house. So like my, you know what I mean? Like I've gotten to do a lot of incredible things. Like I got to go to the White House. I got to go to VidCon. Like I was on the Today Show. Like there's some incredible moments, but at the end of the day, like I'm going to go pick up dog shit like everybody else right now. I'm going to be in under my desk in my own home. And I grew my... um account so slowly and so intentionally by not doing like trending viral content Mm. that the average watch time on tiktok is seven seconds minus 32 Mm. my finish time is in the 80 percent, which is unheard of i genuinely i'm telling you if i had to i could name every single one of my followers because i care about (laughs) them and because i see their comments and i'm looking Mm. for them so the approach to the content hasn't changed um it remains a place to try and be inclusive and i and i I think because I am authentically also a TikTok consumer, like I want to see John write goodnight. This guy, John at John, has written goodnight to me every single night for like two years. He writes it on the news every time and I love him. And so there's like all these different folks that I look for after I post something to have that conversation. So the friends group got a little bit bigger, but the mission and the way we talk to each other didn't. So Mm -hmm. I like to really keep keep hold of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, this might sound insane to say and it might be totally backwards, but in a sense, sometimes I feel like... um, TikTok can get you out of your echo chamber at least in terms of like cuz you're going from a for you page you're not just seeing the people you follow. So mm-hmm. I personally as a woman in my 30s in New York City, I'm just not having many conversations with like adult male liberals in Arkansas. We're not mm-hmm. coming across each other. We're not we're not aligned on things, but on TikTok, you're able to have those conversations with people and like find common ground and it is amazing like the community that you can that you can find.
1: And I, what I love about my male audience is they are so vocal to me. And it's. <laughs> it, I think it's, it's really just – it yeah. just makes my day. Like even with the podcast, they pulled like what the stats are, like who's listening to you. And there was a lot of guys listening. That's and awesome. I don't think folks would expect that. I also have like a fairly conservative audience because I don't think people – people want to subscribe to a two-party system. They want to subscribe to either like what they think is their values, what they think is like what they're used to being a key identifier of themselves. But they also kind of want to like, hear what's going on over there. Like, I want to hear what you're saying about me. And so my male audience, most of my reviews for the podcast are my male audience being mm-hmm. like, I love you. This is great. I listen to it in the truck. They're like, <laughs> I've got a, I got a lot of truckers yeah. that listen to me and I love that. And I appreciate yeah. that. And they're like, I just like the signing your voice. It's calming everything. Everybody is. else is yelling at me. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's the other thing. Like when you, when you start to build a podcast or a TikTok or whatever the case may be, take those times to check back in because who your audience is or who you think likes you, it's so shocking who Mm -hmm. is actually showing up for you. And it really just like gives you a lot of redemption from any high school bully you may have had or any other places you might have felt mm. unincluded when you realize yeah. that like, I don't know, a bunch of straight dudes that drive trucks are listening and they're like, this is good. I'm like, yeah, fellas, yes.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> or like really women. changing, Like, yeah. You're so sweet. I can't believe you. The guy that says good night to you every night, like I you're know. really having me reframe because there's a man in India every night has to let me know on my Instagram, good night. Really? So that- <laughs> he
0: loves you. He really appreciates being educated Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any
1: disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The
0: global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. I think what what I love about your content and a lot of kind of how um, some TikTok News' is approach is that you're really coming at it from a place of curiosity, not, yeah. you know, here's why the GOP is going to ruin our our, demo- our democracy. It's here are some things that happened and sure looks like that could be a potential outcome. I am curious, what role does politics play in your coverage?
1: So quite a bit, because again, I think it's the thing that folks are really getting into and we've really gamified and sportsified, if that's a word, politics. We are seeing these people as rock stars, as athletes, as major figures, whereas before they were like boring politicians that we maybe heard about like once a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now they're, there's like the celebrity politician, right? Um, so politics plays a role in the TikTok to a point. I will try to include some stuff. Um, I try to not include the things that maybe got hammered on all day, like because I do the news at seven. So if I saw all day, everybody knows that this thing yeah. happened, I'm not going to cover it. Or if it's not going to go somewhere, I don't cover it. Or if it's really just like a will they indict Trump today? Here's 10 reasons why we think I don't cover that because right. it's too much. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not like giving people enough to walk away with where I think the TikTok meets the podcast and we needed to like build the podcast out is TikTok is very tight on what content they allow on their platform. And they don't allow um, a lot of details on like calls to action, stuff like that. So um, like, for example, this week, we, you know, we're talking about Iran and we're talking about the morality police and people are feeling really sort of like helpless, because they're like, how do I help these women in Iran? I can't send them money because the mutual aid stuff isn't set up in a way that we can like trust. And we know that that's right. the way that's going to work. Uh, the US already did a queue a cue with their <laughs> government a while ago. So, uh, you know, we probably can't do that. Like we have to be a little careful about that. So I try to bring stuff like that back home. That is not something I could do in a one minute TikTok, but we could do it on the podcast where we could say, I know you're feeling helpless about Iran and the morality police. Here are some things that we know are going to happen. Here are some organizations that are working well. I can put in the show notes. Here are the links for you to go follow. And then I can relate it back in story form to like, and I know some of this is probably hitting home for you because you're feeling like, The U.S. has their own morality police and these forms of chastity laws and trying to ban birth control from coming in the mail. Well, did you know we already fought Mm -hmm. this fight and go through the Comstock Act and tell a fun story? And I think it just it and then give like a book recommendation, like The Man Who Hated Women is our book recommendation for this week. Um, But. The TikTok is great for catching mm-hmm. people's curiosity, the podcast is great for keeping you company, and I want both of those spaces. Like there are podcasts that inform and there are those that keep you company. Mine does a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. But really when I'm sitting down to do the podcast, I'm picturing the listener with their headphones in walking through home goods avoiding uh their responsibilities for the day and they're just going to like listen yes. and kind of tune in and you know I'm just going to be there with them yeah. quietly while we reflect on the fuckery that abounds
0: it's also super bingeable whereas it's, like you oh know, yeah your, I, I will go by and watch all your videos from your page but you know sometimes after a couple days it's like maybe the outcome is different but the podcast you can you can listen to all of them from yeah. the beginning and you'll, yeah they're they're yeah, it's they're not breaking
1: bingeable. news it's big topics and um we also try to give you stuff to get out of conversations so you'll be smarter for listening to it because you'll have like some fun stuff and in, in the history but we're gonna start doing like how to get out of conversations because the holidays are mm-hmm. coming my friends yeah <laughs> Yeah. And you got to know when you're going to win and when you're not going to win. Okay, I can tell you how to be smart at the table with Uncle Larry. But if Uncle Larry is the type of type of guy who's just going to, like, drill you down and ruin your holiday, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to give you a bunch of conversation changers. Like, Larry, that's so fascinating that you think that um, the Democrats are eating children at pizza restaurants (laughs) that you know what? That is something that I will look up. Something you should look up is they just put a Cheeto statue in Canada. Isn't that cool? It's like Cheeto dust. What statue should they put in our hometown and then let him talk about it? I don't know. Try to find something else.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that's what we we do over there. There's like a bread bread statue of Han Solo. That's an excellent redirect. Yeah, I think that's also good to remind remind people. It's like it's not – it is important to talk to our loved ones about these things and try to move them – when we can and try to make them recognize other sides, but it's also okay to have your own boundaries. Like you don't sure, have to ruin yeah. your own Thanksgiving. If Protect uncle Gary peace. is up your ass, like just talk about the talk about the hot Cheeto sculpture. Yeah.
2: And there are some people who, again, like whatever, they might just be conservative and that's it. But there are some people who really have fallen down a deep rabbit hole of misinformation. There's all these reddits about losing family members to QAnon. It's like a real thing. So like redirecting conversation Is a way that you don't get disappointed, but you can still keep family ties with these people and let them know that you're still an important figure in my life, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is important for (laughs) uh, these people because a lot of these people and, and their relationships with family over misinformation and all these crazy conspiracies they believe.
1: I try. I had this happen with my dad, who is honestly my dad is like Jimmy Buffett. He's the nicest, kindest, sweetest man that I ever lived in my whole life. And he's n- done nothing but support me from the very beginning. I came out, I was like, I think I like girls, dad. He's like, You got that from me, buddy. <laughs> like, my dad's the sweetest man, just the yeah. sweetest, dearest, dearest man my parents moved to Florida and he started golfing with the wrong kind of guys. That's like how we described oh, no. it. He started saying <laughs> stuff that didn't make a lot of sense. And I was like, pop, this isn't you. Like, why are you doing this? And so literally I had to have a conversation with him. I was like, dad, I think you're hanging out with a rough bunch of boys. I think yeah. the fellas you're golfing with are filling your head with nonsense. And it was like reverse parenting. totally. And he, cause he was, um, he had said something dumb like, "Yeah, well, you know, maybe we should figure out if, if gay people, uh, you know, are they asking for equal rights fee or are they asking for extra rights? And I was like, Stop what you right there, life? my Yeah, you heard stop that. Stop somewhere, right there, my angel. Yeah. Did Joe across the street say that to you? And he was like, No. And I'm like, did Joe across the street say that to you? Right. And then we had a conversation. I was like, Dad, you want grandchildren, right? Like my sister has a daughter and I want kids and stuff. And he was like, Yeah, of course. I was like, okay, when people are talking bad, I want you to picture them talking about me. He's like, But they would never talk about you like that. You're like a good one dad mm-hmm. a good one mm-hmm. no we're not doing this like we mm-hmm. can't go down these paths so we were able to kind of like work it through that way those yeah. were the pathways that made sense but totally people i get lost along the way other people get lost along the way we lose sight of like what we're even talking about anymore and we just got to bring those people back in close and and you know sometimes we have to do that by not talking about something for a little Precisely. while and letting them feel that yeah. missing you part.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. And personalizing.
2: I have, yeah. Mm-hmm. Personalizing. I have two more questions mm-hmm. for you. Sure. One
0: is, you know, your audience has become huge, and like you said, you know, not everybody can be an expert in everything. Is there? have there ever been a story that you felt like really overwhelmed? Like, whoo, I don't know. Like, if I am equipped to to explain this to two point seven million people, and what do you do when that happens? I mean, you sort of gave some insight into, you know, Iran, for example. There's mm-hmm. not an immediately clear uh, beneficial. Action. What do you do when you sort of feel like, oh my gosh, everyone's looking for me, and there's not a clear answer?
1: Um, I find who is the right person, and I either write to them usually, and I say, I think you're the right person. And I have paid people to do content. I'd be like, you've been doing so great, and like, what I want to pay you to like take yeah. a minute to do this, and so I'll do that sometimes. Um, and we've had guests on. Anytime there's a guest on my channel, they're always paid because I just think. That's Even awesome. as friends, like you should yeah. always pay people for their content, especially when they're new, because that like really gives you a boost in confidence. So there have been times that I've had folks on to talk about things that are going on in the black community. That is, um, as the opinionated queen told me once time, black people business. And I was like, yes. And so she, you know, like was like, this is what I would say. This is what I would do. I've had Micah Hinton on before. Mm-hmm. I had IDEF Overthink on before to talk about issues with the Chris Rock a Will Smith slap in particular yeah. was one where i never heard of it. Queen, When
2: did it happen? <laughs> yeah,
1: she was like, "You don't understand this. There are so many more implications to this story than a bunch of people going, well, he slapped him, and should he or shouldn't have it. So right. we, you know, give that to that folks. And the other one is when the Queen died. I didn't cover the Queen dying. My family's Albanian. Okay, we don't. We are mm-hmm. not here. Like, <laughs> we did not have a great yeah. time with the British Empire. Like, I, I had not. I had my own thoughts, and I, they, yeah. you know I didn't need to contribute to that you conversation. You didn't mourn for twelve days. No, those thoughts stay behind
2: the desk I you was didn't like, you know like what people couldn't get surgeries like when she died I know I was like this
1: one, this is going to dominate news coverage. This is a chance for me to take a break. Let somebody else be the star. And that's what I love about TikTok. It's everybody's exactly. turn at some point. And I directed people to Matta Effect, who is an expert on royal history, and, and Susie Edge, who does like medieval royal history. And people could have so much fun getting to know them. I think what we need to realize is like if you promote other creators, it doesn't mean you're ever going to lose your audience. It's just more friends. It really doesn't negatively impact you to duet or to not or to sit out a story because somebody's better.
2: Yeah, that's such a an important like philosophy that I totally agree with. And I think that people forget and I think what you've been able to crack and that's why you're so successful on top of being super knowledgeable and amazingly kind is that social media is social and it yes, is no, about community and it's not just about, you know. I think that people view it, just like in life, I'm going to dump a bunch of content and then you're going to like listen and whatever. It's just like you're so involved with your community and the community of creators and the community of people who listen to you. And like that, I think that is just such a key to success.
0: Yeah, I think TikTok also, it's like it seems like the reward when you get successful is to keep doing it. So it's like there's there's a motivation to be really quality when you start, and like you said, I feel like it's just amazing to have so many diverse creators because, you know, sometimes people are like, how come you haven't covered this? And it's like, because I'm a, a white bitch in New York City and, and I've been sharing these other, well, like I, I will get it wrong. It is much more, it is better for all of us if we create those opportunities. Finally, I am so curious, what could you talk about endlessly? Like what would you have to be dragged out of a room to stop talking about because you could talk about it for
1: so long? Okay. First of all, musical theater. Second of all, the WWE. I okay. have, I am so That's a spectrum. Yes. Entertainment. All entertainment. I could talk about like the history of Broadway costuming and hair forever and ever and ever. I went to school for theater undergrad and I loved my dramaturgy classes. I just love Broadway stuff. And I the world I exist in, my Broadway community is very small. A lot of people who are into politics aren't so into art in that form. But I think Just when you do get to bring someone in and talk about the socioeconomic implications of why a certain play was written or why a certain musical was written or the hidden lyrics behind songs you think are stupid, (laughs) I could do that literally all day, all day to the end of time. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's so fun. Well, and people can listen to you. I'm sure you make some references in "V Interesting" by V Spear. Thank you so much for joining us. This was this was so fun. We look forward to uh to hopefully having you back and collaborating Yay. more in the future.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. You guys got to come course. over to V Interesting someday. That would be
0: very would fun. That'd to. be very would fun.
2: Love
1: to. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much.
0: That is our show. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Millie Tameras. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca sous Editing by Rebecca sous Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com.
1: Batches.